I'm a covenant man. I'm a covenant man. Committed to him in everything I do believe he'll come again. And I know one thing I'm gonna do till then is learn to live in the blessing of Abraham. Hello everybody, I'm David Weeder, and welcome to the Covenant Living Broadcast. Glory to God. I sure am glad to be with you today. Let's have a word of prayer and we're gonna get right into the word. Father, I thank you and praise you for this, another opportunity to minister and teach your word, to speak and minister to the people. And I'm asking you, sir, that the Holy Spirit reveal to them exactly what they need in their lives to deliver them, set them free. We're sending the word forth. And as you said, you send your word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. That's what we're believing for you today. Glory to God. Well, welcome to the broadcast. The last several weeks, we've been going into the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. We talked about the spirit of power, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And now, today's broadcast is going to be just a little bit different. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and then we're going to give the rest of the remainder of the broadcast is going to be an example of what we're talking about. Because, you know, you can read things in the Word and you can, you can study and you can see things about the awesomeness of the Holy Spirit, which we've been doing. But you want to see an example of how this works out in the believer's life. So we're going to go into that today. Last week, we talked about, we looked at the life of Jesus and we saw how Luke talked about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus in instructed the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they were endued with power. And then we went over into Acts and we saw where that actually took place. And so the question remains, however, what were the results of that? What, what do you see in the life of a believer? What, what does that look like? Well, one place that we can see it, you remember Jesus is our example in everything that we do and every way that we live our life. So let's look at Acts chapter 10. And I know we've, we've looked at it previously, but we're going to look at it again. We're going to put our eyes on it afresh today. So turn over to Acts chapter 10, and we're just going to look at verse 38 today how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So here in Jesus' life, we see the Holy Ghost associated with power, the power to heal and deliver people. Now, go on over to 1 John with me, just a little ways over to the right, and we're going to look in chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to look at two verses. We're going to look first at verse 20, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, but you have an unction from the Holy One, 
and you know all things. Now, if you look up that word unction, as a matter of fact, in the cross-reference, even in some Bibles, it says anointing. Remember how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Well, here it says that we have an anointing from the Holy One, and we know all things. Now, go on down to verse 27, and it expands. The anointing which you have received of Him abides in you. That anointing, the Holy Ghost, lives in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth. Remember, we saw He will lead you and guide you into all the truth, and He's called the Spirit of Truth. That same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it or he has taught you, you shall abide in him. So now we've seen that the Holy Ghost is associated with power in Acts 10, 38. Now we see the association with teaching and knowing all things, wisdom, revelation, you can't know all things just simply through teaching. That has to be revealed. And indeed, as, you, as we'll see through the scriptures, the Holy Ghost is referred to as the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. And we've already seen the, sp the spirit of power. So these are three ways that you can see the demonstration and the operation of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. Now, as for the example that we're going to talk about today, we're going, to, we're going to hone in on that teacher and the guide into all the truth. And we're going to step on some toes. But that's okay, because remember, he sent his word and healed him. So it'll be all right. We'll heal him up afterwards, okay? All right. We're going to deal with a subject that's, um, oh, at least in some circles, is a little bit of a controversial subject. And we're going to use that as an example and we're going to go through the Bible and look at some things. And then we're going to see the Holy Spirit teaching some things about it. And the subject I want to deal with is food. That's right. F-O-O-D. And the controversy that I'm talking about is, okay, should we eat the things that are commanded in the law? I mean, should we stay away from pork? Should we stay away from catfish, the shellfish? Should we only eat these things and not eat those things? And what does the Bible actually say about that to us as New Testament believers? Some people think they know. Some people think they know they know. But do you actually know what it says? The reason I bring this up is because if you've, if you've heard people talk about it, this group of people point to all these verses and this group of people point to all these verses. And there seems to be a lot of contradiction when, in fact, there's no contradiction whatsoever. So let's get right into it and start with Mark chapter seven. Turn over with me there. Mark chapter seven. <clears throat> and we'll go ahead and lead it, read it in the King James Version, but then we're going to read it in the Amplified Classic Version as it really, really makes a lot of things clear. And we're going to start in verse 14. 
and read down through verse 17. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man. This is red words now, okay? There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning this parable, because it was so contrary to what the, the law had taught. And he said unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it enters not into his heart, but into the belly, and goes out into the draught, purging all meats? And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defiles the man. And then he goes into further teaching. I want to look at this now in the Amplified Classic Edition, as it makes it so abundantly kind of in your face clear, okay? And he called the people to him again and said unto them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand what I said. There is not even one thing outside a man which by going into him can pollute and defile him. But the things which come out of a man are what defile him and make him unhallowed and unclean. If any man has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend by hearing. And when he had left the crowd and had gone into the house, his disciples began asking him about this parable. And he said to them, Then are you so unintelligent and dull and without understanding? Do you not discern and see that whatever goes into a man from the outside cannot make him shallowed or unclean, since it does not reach and enter into his heart or his spirit, but only his digestive tract, and so passes on into the place designed to receive waste? Thus he was making and declaring all foods ceremonially clean, that is, abolishing the ceremonial distinctions of the Levitical law. Now, don't run off and start saying something that I didn't say. Stick with me. We're going through a lot of detail and example in this broadcast. Go on over with me to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. And I'm going to switch back to my King James here. And we'll look at a couple different verses here. Uh, verse, verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but do not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth only herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eats not. And let him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God has received him. So here we're talking about, we see judgment is the issue here, that he's getting into judging. We see a lot of that today, people judging people for eating this, judging people for not eating that, etc. So go on down to, to verse 14. And like I said, for sake of time, we're, we're kind of skipping around here a little bit, but really you need to read down through this whole chapter 14 in Romans. He really goes into, uh, you can see a lot of things, a lot of details in this. Chapter 14 says, I know and am persuaded 
excuse me, verse 14, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteems it anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Now, so this goes into the fact that it's how you esteem a thing. It may also be a consideration of whether the Lord has directly told you as an individual, he doesn't want you eating a certain thing anymore. Okay, so now we're starting to get into the in the edge of what I want to teach in this example. So let's go ahead and look at some more things that the New Testament has to say about this subject, though. Go to First Timothy. First <clears throat> Timothy, and we're going to go to chapter four. And this is a hot one. And uh, there's a, a lot of explanation that is valid concerning punctuation and things like that in this scripture. But for the purposes that I want to show you today, the punctuation really isn't going to make any difference one way or another. So we're going to go ahead and look at it and then we're going to talk about it. First Timothy four. And let's see, verse three, he talks about what's going on at the current time. It says, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified or separated by the word of God and prayer. Now, there, there, there is something to the fact that there's no punctuation in this original language. So it can be read, commanding to abstain from meats which God created to be received. Referring back to the Levitical law, there are certain meats that he created and said those were to be received. There are certain that he said those were not to be received. Okay, so there is that way of looking at it, or there is the way of looking at it, reading it, uh, that meats were originally created to be received for every creature God created good. Okay? For our purposes today, even though these are vastly different, it doesn't make a difference for where we're going and what I want to point out to you today. Go over to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and we're going to get into the meat of this example. Now, keep all of these scriptures in mind that we've read about unclean, clean, ceremonial unclean. It's not what goes into you. Don't judge people. Keep all of that in mind as we look at this scripture. Brother Hagen taught an excellent, excellent message on the perfect versus the permissive will of God. And we're going to see it right here, and then I'm, I'm going to explain it just a little bit. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now listen, this is what I want to get to that you may prove what is that good, number one, acceptable, number two, or perfect, number three, will of God. Now, I think a lot of, mind, a lot of people in their mind just kind of, they think that those are just three ways of saying the same thing, good, perfect, and acceptable. Whereas, in fact, 
it can be read three different wills of God. In other words, okay, that's good. Oh, yeah, now that's acceptable. Yes, now this is perfect. This is the perfect will of God. Now, you can see this as an example in the Old Testament where the people wanted a king. Instead of, instead of God as their ruler, they wanted a king like other nations had. And the Lord told the prophet to tell him, look, this is, you're different. This isn't, the way, this isn't good for you. This isn't the way it's going to be. But the people insisted. They kept insisting. Well, God was in covenant with them. And so eventually he relented, even though it was not his perfect will, and gave them kings. Now, was he able to work through the kings? Oh, my goodness. Look at King David. He said King David was a man after his own heart. But it wasn't the perfect will of God. It was the permissive will of God based on the desires of his people. Can you see that? Are you getting the picture of what we're talking about here? This is a key element in where we're going talking about this example of food. So now we've established the perfect versus the permissive will of God. Go with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll see where Paul actually addresses this issue. And we're going to go down to verse 23. Paul says, All things are lawful for me, and this is talking about food. You read up a couple of verses earlier. He's talking about, you know, they were eating food that was offered to idols. Should we do that? Should we not do it? Is it lawful? Going back to the Levitical law. And Paul clarifies, all things are now lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. The perfect will of God versus the permissive will of God. Now, you've seen all these scriptures back and forth and you've heard all these arguments and people saying, yeah, we can eat that. No, we can't eat that. Should we eat that? Should we not eat that? Is it lawful? We're not under the law. All of those things. Matter of fact, the New Testament in Romans talks about the principles are written on our hearts. Now, this is where... As believers, we have to take a giant step up in our maturity level and our sensitivity level because now we don't just simply have a set rule of laws and rules that we can go and say, oh, yep, I can do that. Oh, nope, I can't do that. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is the example that I wanted to show you concerning the food. Go with me. Back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, but that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. One translation says his normal lifespan shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now remember a few weeks ago we discussed the law of first mention. 
is that the first time a subject is dealt with in the Scripture, that carries throughout the Word. This is Genesis. It's the beginning. This is God's will for man, a 120-year lifespan. Oh, no, David, you, you, you know in, in, in Psalms he talks about the days of man shall be, you know, 70 or, or 80 years possibly. No, that was for a disobedient people in the promised land that had said with their own mouths over and over and over and over, he brought us out here to kill us. He brought us out here to kill us. And finally, he had to do what they said because they were in covenant together. And so I want to go ahead and read to you there in Psalm 90, when it was talking about uh, 70 or 80 years, the Amplified Classic Edition actually has a footnote that I can't say it any better than it does, so I'm going to read it to you. In Psalm 90.10, this psalm is credited to Moses, who is interceding with God to remove the curse which made it necessary for every Israelite over 20 years of age when they rebelled against God to die before reaching the promised land. Moses says most of them are dying at 70 years of age. This number has often been mistaken as a set span of life for all mankind. It was not intended to refer to anyone except those Israelites under the curse during that particular 40 years. 70 years never has been the average span of life for humanity. And then it goes on to talk about the different lifespans of different people. But here's what I want to show you. When God said, the days of man shall be 120 years. Then after everything after that point has to work together towards that 120 years. So all of those food laws that he gave. So you have to understand in the Old Testament, they did not have the Holy Spirit in them to lead and guide them into all the truth. The prophets, the priests, and the kings would have the, the, the Lord come on them. The Spirit of the Lord would come on them at certain times for certain services, but they didn't have the inner guide and teacher. So the Lord had to set up rules. You do this, you don't do this, you do this, you don't do this, to get to that 120 years, because that's the perfect will of God. And you see all, th all, all through Proverbs, there's things that'll say, do this, it'll lengthen your life, do this, it'll shorten your life. His will, His perfect will, and His permissive will are, to are different things. Now, bring this over into the food area that we're talking about in the New Testament. You see what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit is your guide. The food laws were designed for 120 years. Do you have to eat that? Is it a sin? Will it keep you from going to heaven? No. We established that in the scriptures that we looked at in Romans, in Mark. It will not keep you out of heaven. Is it a sin? Will it keep you from ministry? No. There are lots of examples of very portly very powerful men of God throughout history. 
Will it possibly shorten your time on this earth and cause you to have physical problems that you don't need to be dealing with? Yes, it most definitely can. How many people are you seeing reach 120 years? But if you listen to the Holy Ghost, He'll tell you, He'll teach you, He'll guide you. You don't need to be judging anybody about what they eat. It's not a sin unless the Lord specifically told that person and you don't know that anyway. So don't be judging anybody. You pay attention to the guide and the teachers in, inside you. And that is what I'm talking about. That is the illustration. And that works not necessarily just with the food laws. I've been in, in particularly when we've been ministering in third world countries, there are certain foods that are quote unquote better or safer to eat where the, where the conditions are perhaps a little less sanitary and there's you know more risky ones. I have been in a location for several days in a row that had food in the mornings and they had the same food basically every morning. And so I went down day two, day, I mean day one, day two, day three, and I'd reach in and I'd get a spoonful and put on the plate and everything was fine. But I always, always stay sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And day four, same dish, same everything. I reached in, I got a spoonful, I was coming back and about halfway back to my plate, Inside here, that still small voice, I heard the Holy Ghost note, no, not today. I just put that spoonful back where it came from. There ain't no sense in messing with this. And I'll be glad to tell you, I have traveled internationally for over 20 years now. And I have never, not one time in 20 years, have I ever had the Montezuma's revenge, the, the intestinal problems that a lot of people experience. Not bragging on me, it has nothing to do with me, but it has to do with the sensitivity of the spirit of truth inside you that leads and guides you in to all the truth. Now, you see what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about as far as the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what it looks like in a believer's life. And it's, it, he'll just listen to him. Let him lead you. Let him guide you into all the truth and get you headed towards that 120 or get you headed towards that financial prosperity or get you headed towards that peace in your family because he knows all the truth and he is your guide into the perfect will of God. And that's all the time we've got for today. But I hope you were able to see the spirit of truth in the wisdom the anointing teaches you all things. Glory to God. Well, I'll see you next time. We're going to go further into the demonstration of the spirit of power and what that looks like in your life. And how do you access this wisdom, this teaching, this power that we've been talking about for several weeks now. So I'll see you again next time. Between now and then, though, remember, I love you. God loves you. He is for you always. Jesus is Lord. Thank you, partners and friends, for helping make these broadcasts possible. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, be sure to follow us on Instagram, and you can also listen to our broadcast on iTunes. Contact us at davidweeder.org or call us at 1-800-988-5380 to send praise reports, request prayer, or for more information about our ministry and how to become a partner.